0: Life's good! Never off! Whoa! Hard! Hardly Come on, friends! Life's good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two-thirds. Have they saved oh, it for her? It. Yes, they
1: have! Ooh! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside, as always, hello,
0: Scott. Sean, good evening. Good evening, uh... I don't know if everybody can see, but it's very festive in your uh, in your place there. Yes.
1: So I'm in the process of moving, and a lot of stuff is not here anymore, but the lights are still up. The December thing uh, yes. is still up, even though it is January and sort of over a week into January at this point. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the lights. And I th- I always keep the lights up until... They get kind of sad and uh, not sad yet. So I'm going to keep them up probably until I fully move out. Great. So there you go. It's still uh, festive. Hope everybody had a wonderful, restful, safe holiday season. And that's 2024. finds you well, Scott. We are here with one of our annual traditions. Actually, our last episode was an annual tradition with the Stony Awards. And then what is now... The second annual tradition of me not being able to put together a best of the year episode. Uh, I was not able to get that cut together in part because I'm moving. So we didn't have that, but we are back now for 2024 and our traditional bold predictions for the upcoming year. So we have 10 bold predictions for 2024. I can't remember how many times we've done this, but Scott, the goal is not necessarily to be accurate we want to get as many right as we can but to be bold in the predictions right like there there are some predictions that are easy
0: but we're not going to make those ones we are going big here exactly sean anyone can make a a boring prediction like carrie Anderson will win the scotties again (laughs) so boring (laughs) right uh Uh or switzerland women will win the world championship uh been there done that that's not bold no we got to come with bold predictions
1: yes so before we get into the predictions for 2024 we do like to recap how we did for the previous year keep ourselves honest here how bold were we and scott Mm. last year we made 13 bold predictions between the two of us so i have counted shelly back in december tweeted us and said we got three and a half I'm giving us credit for four.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay.
1: You know, we could split hairs, but even if you give us three and a half, if you round up, which you should round up to a full number, that's four. So it's the same thing. So our (laughs) last year, we made 13 bold predictions. So we had the residency rule for Canada goes away. It has not.
0: Not, no, not yet.
1: We predicted that the Canada cup would determine Canada's representative for the world championship, Uh, Canada Cup hasn't come back. So, (laughs) a little bit off on that one. A little off. A current player would get the TSN analyst spot that was vacated by Cheryl Bernard. They have not filled that at all. They just had Kathy sit in that chair and do updates. This woman can't do everything forever, TSN. I know, right? Can. Maybe she can. I don't know. I hope they gave her a pay raise. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, a Chinese team would win a major event. And we got that one right. Wang Chao won the World Wheelchair Curling Championship. So yes. I'm counting that as a win. New Zealand makes the playoffs at the World Championship. Either men's or women's team combined. Scott,
0: they won a single game at the yeah men's and women's world championships yeah maybe we should have gone with the continental uh pan continental championships as our prediction for that but uh okay a first-time
1: champion wins the euros that's a win sylvana Taranzoni won
0: her first yeah i mean it's kind of a a little cheap that she's a first-time champion because she's a great champion at other hasn't hasn't, hasn't won that one so yeah
1: Anna Hasselberg wins a world championship. That's an annual tradition. That might be some foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) coming up. Uh, USA curling has no negative off ice news. Unless I missed something, Scott, everything out of USA curling this year was really just about the curling itself. So I'm giving us that one. Okay. Was this the half that Shelly gave us? Potentially. Hmm. But I don't remember any major controversies from USA currently like we had in 2022. Yeah. There would be an upset at the Swiss, Swedish, or Scottish national championships. So that really involved five teams in particular Bruce Mauit, Nickadeen, Anna Hasselberg, Silvana Tiranzoni, or Yannick Schwaller. All five of those teams won their respective national championships. So that is a
0: miss. Okay. Even if even if Anna Hasselberg didn't go to Euros, they won the national championship. I thought they played off to go to Euros, but anyway, okay. Well, okay. So when
1: I googled Swiss national champion or or Swedish national championship, the curling zone page for the twenty twenty three Swedish Nationals has Anna Hasselberg being the national champion. Okay, maybe that's a half. Maybe there would be at least one messy breakup. This might be a half too. Mackenzie Zacharias leaving Team Jones. I don't know if that's messy because publicly everything was fine, but something still seems off about it to me. I, I don't know what, and I don't want to insinuate anything because I don't know. I just don't understand it. That's all. Yeah. I mean, she's young, so. And she's not playing. She's got other things to do, right? She wants to do other things, so yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I didn't give the... us that one. I didn't give us that one in any capacity. I didn't give us a half point. I didn't give us anything.
0: When did when did Gunnar leave? Oh,
1: in the uh, podcast last year, we specifically said. Reed Carruthers doesn't count. Uh, okay, <laughs> so uh, so we we can't claim that one. Shoot, a mixed doubles specialist would win either the World Championship or the Canadian Championship. That did not happen. Jennifer Jones Brent Lang won the Canadian Championship. Corey Dropkin and Corey Tees won the World Championship, and uh, obviously those four players are all big in the four-person game. Yeah. A big retirement, big, we said, a top 20 team. So I'm giving us this one with Molden and Hodgson with those two retirements happening from a top 20 team. And our final one is that there would be a betting scandal in the sport of curling. I don't think there's been a betting scandal. I think the fact that there is a commercial that is, a betting commercial that is focused on curling that airs in the United States. I know that because I saw it on ESPN on the weekend. Yep.
0: I don't know if that's a scandal, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, when I saw it, I was like, what, uh, this, this treating curling, like it's a niche sport, but obviously it's super mainstream. Of course. Uh, maybe, maybe I live in a different world than everyone else. So, Okay. Okay, so, so I'm, uh, I'm giving us four. You know what, Sean? We we go to be bold. We don't go to go to be right. <laughs> That's right. So with that,
1: we have ten bold predictions here for 2024. So let's get right into it, Scott. Let's go, Sean. First bold prediction for 2024 there is a major change to the points bet invitational. And by major change, I'm saying either when it is held. So no longer in September, early in the season, the number mm-hmm. of teams to participate. Can you go to 32? I don't know. Can you go to 24 and have a first round buy for the top eight teams? Maybe. Or the impact of it, that it goes beyond just a cash spiel that it, gives you an entry into something or I don't know what it is, but there, there's a bigger impact beyond just the cash. Mm. So that's my first one. A major change to the points bet invitational.
0: Okay. I could see the, uh, the change coming in the number of teams uh, for sure. Uh, as far as it meaning something other than cash, uh, I don't know. I think it, the fact that it's affiliated with points bet, and their whole yeah. thing is about betting and cash, then I think it's going to stay in that lane. Uh, but I can see the number of teams changing. Uh, where it is in the schedule, I think, is good for Curling Canada because it's a dead spot right now, and it's good for a lot of the teams because it's a good chance to get out and play an event. Relatively low stakes in that you don't have to play that many games to yeah. win it. That's right? true. Uh, four games to win is less than any of the Grand Slams. But, uh, you know, I think 24 is really interesting when you get there because then you get some games where maybe the caliber is a little more balanced uh, on those first-round games.
1: Yeah, it gives the club champion, it gives the junior champions, the college champions, the the university champions playing more mid-tier teams in that first round. Yeah, games where they they, might
0: have a better shot to to advance and then win a pretty good chunk of money.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. So that's bold prediction number one. I like it. All right, Scott, bold prediction number two. Oh, boy. The Pan-Continental Curling Championships, which we've had two editions of, both of which have been in Canada at the 2024 edition, which has not yet been announced will not be
0: in Canada. Okay, I like this. This is really bold. Um, given the comments that Gushu had, you yeah. had, th- I think they're going to need to put on a good event if it's not in Canada to get a Canadian team that wants to go and do it. That said, right. if it's the only way to qualify for Worlds, at least one of the men's or women will be there. No, I think that's a good prediction. Yeah,
1: I, I do wonder if Curling Canada can write it into your contract for the briar and the scotties because all the teams do sign contracts when they go to the briar and the scotties if they can write it in that you win this you're doing this that's part of the deal people and whatever the financial ramifications are of that maybe but yeah i I do think that it could be an event that would play well potentially in japan there is a pretty big curling fandom in Japan, could you take it there, have it work? The time zone works out not terribly for Canada, being roughly 12 hours for Mm -hmm. Japan. So you can get evening draws in the morning here, uh, morning draws in the evening. So it, it can work out for a North American audience as well. So I think what we've seen over the previous two is that it's not gonna be a revenue generator for world curling yet. So if it's not gonna be a revenue generator, let's take it somewhere else where The point is to grow the game. Let's go to Japan or let's go to
0: Korea. Those those, those are the two that immediately came to mind for me. Yeah, that's a bold prediction with a lot of logic uh, behind it. So I like it. Okay.
1: All right. Bold prediction number three, because this is at least the third year of this bold prediction. Anna Hasselberg wins the world championship. The long elusive World Championship for Anna Hasselberg. She finally gets it here in 2024.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you keep you keep going with that lucky number, one day it'll hit, right? Uh, That's right. So I, I think we got to keep pu- pushing this one, Sean. We got to keep pushing it.
1: Yeah, and I do like their chances this year. I think, obviously, we'll see who Canada comes out with, and we'll see really who represents all the countries because nothing is set in stone as yet with the exception of Korea and Japan, I think. Uh, some of the other countries might be set So, Well, I'm sure Italy is set in stone independent of what would happen between now and then barring injury. But you have a field where there's other teams, not that Anna Hasenberg can't beat Silvana Taranzoni, obviously, but the caliber of field is starting to even out in ways that in the previous few years it hasn't so that it's not necessarily just a one game you got to beat Teranzoni here somebody else might take out Teranzoni and you have a path against somebody else or again as I said Anna Hasselberg and her team are obviously good enough to beat Silvana Tiranzoni and her team so I, I kind of like their chances this year I know that things in motion tend to stay in motion but they can't Civiliana it, Terrizoni and, and Alina Pats—they can't win all the World Championships from now until the end of time, or maybe they
0: can. I don't know, but I feel—I feel like at some point that has to has to end. You'd think, yeah, Sean. And I'm—I'm I'm on the Wikipedia for the 2024 Women's Worlds, which will be held in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Nice. Uh, so Team Denmark has an entry uh, as Madelina Dupont. Okay. Estonia, Marie Kald- Kaldvi. Yeah. Italy, Stefania Constantini. Japan, uh, Fujisawa Satsuki. New Zealand, Jessica Smith. Norway, Kristen Skaslien or Marianne Rurvik. Korea, Gim Yunji, mm-hmm. Switzerland, Alina Patz, Silvana Taranzoni. And Turkey, the Dutchat yields. Okay, so we still have then so Scotland, US, Canada, US, and Sweden, and Sweden. Two so All right, That's more and than I would have guessed. Yeah. You know what, Sean? This is Wikipedia, so it could be wrong. Right. <laughs> but we'll go with that.
1: Uh, so it's a. I think it is a better field than it has been. And you know, looking ahead for 2025, if I still have to make this prediction in 2025, I think the field will be even more balanced if china gets back in and yeah who whoever that ends up being the the young player there's 22 or 23 whose name uh, escapes me now han i think so so uh so again uh, i i like this for hasselberg to get her world championship now when we get to the end of march and we do our preview let's see if i remember that <laughs> when we make our picks. All right. Now let's move on to bold prediction number four. This one, I think, if it comes true, will excite a lot of people. Scott, I'm predicting that the World Curling Federation steps away from or ends its relationship, or the thing just collapses on its own with recast, that the World Curling and recast will no longer be affiliated slash so or curling canada plus goes away
0: hmm. okay yeah i i don't know about this but it is bold the recast seems to be like the guy like bernie from weekend at bernie right? Where the <laughs> world curling federations carrying him around uh sort of propped up saying yeah yeah he's he's still here look how look how much fun he is yeah um but uh i don't see curling canada plus going away anytime soon it is like the only way a lot of family members can watch uh you know the people that they know like friends and family play in certain events so that's what i think they're marketing it at as i don't yep. think they're making any money on it uh, for sure it's uh probably a loss leader but uh important for those smaller mm-hmm. events well so here's what i
1: would wonder about if and obviously we don't have access to the numbers and curling canada hasn't really made any pronouncements about curling canada plus in terms of how many subscribers are getting what kind of revenue it's generating i get that you don't want to try to generate revenue on youtube that's too hard i think you're looking at global stuff and obviously with the algorithms the way they are seasonal sports that aren't major professional sports, very difficult to generate revenue there. But I think that there's a better avenue or I would suspect that there's a better avenue through CBC Sports, streaming it through them. They have built in advertisements and an ad department. And if you can work out a revenue sharing agreement with them, that would be great. Another landing place, if you want to participate in direct to consumer revenues, TSN Plus. Can you stick some of this stuff, you have a relationship with TSN, put it on TSN Plus, make some sort of arrangement based on number of viewers to generate revenue based off the number of people who are watching at any given time. And then it gives TSN Plus something else in, in their marketing. That could also be a landing place for it, I just don't know about the standalone stuff. There's too much standalone content for people to subscribe to everything, even in this country where there's fewer options than there are in the United States. So I'm dubious and skeptical about the long-term viability of Curling Canada Plus, and I just want recasts to go away. So part of these are just also wishful thinking on my part.
0: Yeah okay, I I was trying to find Curling Canada Plus Sean and I couldn't even find a link to it on uh, Curling Canada's website. So you might be might already something. be right.
1: Like it's it, it, I remember I've, I found it now, but uh, it's hard to find. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like they're not really promoting it. So no, granted, there's not an event going on right now, but it's hard to find. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't been crazy about it. So you might let's, be onto something. All right, let's move on. Then, Scott, this might be the boldest prediction of all. Wang Hei
0: doesn't win the wheelchair world championship. Oh, my goodness. This is the boldest prediction, Sean. (laughs) I know, like, usually when somebody says, hey, you can have this team or you can have the field. You always take the field, right? Always. Um, This might be the one time you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So so dominant, dominant, you know? Yeah, this I think this is the boldest prediction of them all, and the one I think is least likely
1: to happen <laughs> so far. Yeah, it's going to be tough. The, he, this team and he has been so dominant as a skip for so long. We're trying to back fully into world play. You would expect them to win again. Canada is has announced that Mark Ideson is going to skip still. And that team is going to be roughly the same and with uh, Ina Forrest and uh, John Thurston. Uh, so that team's still there. Mark is throwing lead stones, calling the games. Uh, yes. So good performances there. You've seen other countries have some success, but the Chinese, not, no one has matched the Chinese team in the wheelchair no, discipline for far the far and away five so. years, past five years or so. So uh We'll have to see on that one. But, yeah, I think that's a pretty bold one to say that uh, Team Wang doesn't win. For sure. For sure. All right, Scott. Uh, Well, let's stick with something from uh, a prediction related to countries from the old Pacific Asia region. And I'm going to say that an Asian country wins the mixed doubles World Championship and then Scott. Here's why this is a bold prediction mm-hmm. last year, as mentioned, Corey Dropkin and Corey Tees, the United States, won the mixed doubles world championship. Mm-hmm. That was the first time in that event's history that a non European country won that event. Depending on whether or not you want to, how you want to define it. Europe, do you want to go with like geography or <laughs> just the you know uh because you know some people in the united kingdom will get mad at you if you they say they're in europe okay you're in europe <laughs> all right okay now <laughs> so let's just go with that uh don't brexit me so <laughs> in that game the americans beat japan and scott that was the first Ooh. medal for an Asian country at the world mixed doubles currently in championship. So I'm predicting that maybe not Japan. It could be the Koreans. Those are probably your two strongest competitors, strongest chances at this point, but that somebody from the former Pacific Asia region was going to win
0: the world mixed doubles. Okay. I like that. Uh, yeah, could even be Australia. You know, uh, yeah. a team that's performed pretty well. I think last year at the at the world mixed doubles. So yeah, I think that's a a pretty achievable prediction, but also bold since you're right, it hasn't happened. So okay, I like that. All right, let's move on then to
1: number seven, Scott. This might be the least bold of them all. Ooh, okay. Sherry Anderson wins the Canadian Senior Championship. (laughs) She's back, baby. A one-year hiatus where she doesn't get out of Saskatchewan, and Saskatchewan still is in the final anyway. Tragically, well, maybe not tragically, sadly, they lost that final, but Sherry Anderson comes back with a vengeance, wins Saskatchewan late in the season, it, sort of early spring, and then next fall at the 2024 Canadian Seniors, she's back. She reclaims her title as the queen of Canadian Senior Curling, if not Canadian Curling in general.
0: Yeah, Sean, this is like picking only to win. <laughs> Come on, Come on, what are we talking about here? One stub of the toe, and now it's a bold prediction. Uh, I mean, good I credit to okay. credit to
1: Nancy Martin, Nancy Martin, beater fair and square sure. in, in Saskatchewan and then yep. got to the final, of the, the national, but I think it's, uh, it's time for Sherry Anderson to make a comeback.
0: Okay. Okay. I like it.
1: All right. Uh, now we got two related to our national champions here in Canada. So for bold prediction, number eight, Carrie Anderson, your four-time defending Canadian women's curling champion misses the playoffs at the 2024 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Now, hear me out. This playoffs? Is,
0: what is playoffs, Sean?
1: So, playoffs are final four. So, okay. they can get into that Friday six thing, whatever it is. That that no. Uh, although they yeah. rechanged, they they did change the format of that. Uh, which I like no more seating nonsense on the Friday night so that they have changed okay. it, but we'll say final four page. Okay? okay. Because, and we, we haven't talked about this cause we haven't done a show since, but with no Nunavut representative, they're going to go, which is very sad and unfortunate. We'll talk about that in more detail on another episode, but because there's no Nunavut representative, there's going to be a fourth wildcard team don't know what color they're going to wear. They're like out of colors at this point, but there'll be a fourth wildcard team. So that increases the overall quality of the field, right? We love Nunavut there. I think Nunavut should be there. I I don't want this to be a regular thing, but you can't deny in 2024, a fourth wildcard team is going to be better than whoever was representing Nunavut. Mm -hmm. So let's just acknowledge that. So because of that, And because of the way the format is now with the two pools, it's easier to have a bad start, have a bad weekend, and then kind of be out of it. So it presents a window wherein a top team like that could stub their toe out of the gate and not be able to recover. That's what I'm basing this bold prediction on. Again, it's bold. I don't know if it's as bold as Team Wang not winning the wheelchair championship, but I know it's bold.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty bold, uh, four-time-in-a-row Canadian champion, right? That's, uh, But we've never seen anyone do it longer than that. So no. maybe them not winning could be a bold but less bold prediction. Um, but I, I understand your logic here. And Sean, I was going to try and play a trick on the listeners and say that my bold prediction was Nunavut will not field the team for one of Prior prior <laughs> Scotty's, because yeah. uh, I only saw that today, but okay. you've, you've ruined my uh, master my plan. My
1: apologies. My apologies.
0: But okay. Yeah, I can buy this one. This this is really bold because yeah. they're really good and prepare and they know they're going to be there, right? So they they can get their preparation in and be peaking at the right time. So this if this happens Sean pretty bold and it's will be a well deserved point for us but uh, uh maybe a bit like definitely a letdown for them and yeah. uh, maybe a letdown for us as viewers too.
1: Yeah. All right, let's move to my bold prediction for the other Canadian national champion on the men's and women's level that is of course Brad Gushu. and bold prediction for this team is that they need to make a lineup change because of the way the rules are. So Mm -hmm. the way the rules are right now, they're fine because they keep winning the national championship. So Jeff Walker is based in Alberta. EJ Harden is based in Northern Ontario in the Sioux and Nichols and Gushu live in Newfoundland. And the way the rules are currently set up since Walker nor... Harnden have birthright in Newfoundland. They can't play together unless they're the defending national champions. So this prediction has two parts to it. One, they don't win the Briar this year. And then two, in order to be eligible for the Briar, they make a lineup change. So that is the core of the prediction. I am going to caveat that I will give myself a half point if one of Jeff Walker or EJ
0: Harnden actually do move to Newfoundland. Do we know Sean that for them to be eligible for one of those predetermined wildcard spots, they have to be eligible to play in playdowns, right?
1: Hey everyone, future Sean here just want to clarify the residency rules and the eligibility moving forward. So the, Announcement of the format changes for the Scotties and the Briar did include a clarification, kind of, on the residency rules. So, to be eligible to be a wildcard team or Team Canada, you must retain three of four players from the qualifying team the year prior for four-person teams. A pre-qualified team is... Perfectly fine to meet the residency requirement to be a member association champion, but the pre qualifying teams will not play in provincial playdowns. The important one, though, is that a pre qualified team can also not meet the residency requirements of a member association. So, in that scenario, as Team Gushu is currently constructed, they're okay to get a pre qualified berth as Team Canada or wildcard, despite not meeting the residency requirement for Newfoundland and Labrador. The addendum to this, though, is that if you choose this path to not adhere to a member association residency requirement, you are ineligible to play in the playdowns unless you become residency requirements. So for next season for the 2025 Briar, those pre-qualified spots will be determined at the end of this season. This year is the only year where the season of the events points will matter for that Briar. I wish this was less confusing, but at the end of this season, when the final stone is thrown, the four pre-qualified teams for next year will be determined. The champion will come back as the defending champion. And then the three top CTRS teams that aren't the champion. So as it sits right now, Brendan Botcher is in first in CTRS points, followed by Gushu, Dunstone, McEwen, then Cooey Carruthers, Slichinski. So let's just sort of create a scenario here because Brad Gushu is 17 points up on Dunstone, 22 points up on Mike McEwen. So let's say that Kevin Cooey beats Mike McEwen in the Briar final, and Matt Dunstone finishes third, and that those teams all have really good second half of the seasons, they do great at the spiels, and Gushu stubs his toe, and ends up below all of them, and ends up in fifth place in the CTRS points, which is where Kevin Cooey is currently ranked. In that scenario, the pre-qualified teams for next year would be Kevin Cooey as the champion and then Botcher, Dunstone, McEwen as the top three in CTRS points, leaving Gushu out. So for Gushu to get a spot in the Briar in 2025, he would have to make a lineup change to be compliant with the residency rules for Newfoundland and Labrador to win the province. So for this scenario which is kind of far-fetched and unlikely to happen given the lead that Gushu has and how good they are, but for the sake of just the the un- trying to understand what the scenarios are and what the rules are, he would have the summer then to make that lineup change. He wouldn't be ineligible for Newfoundland Labrador for their playdowns in april and may when the pre-qualified teams are announced and determined he could then make a change if necessary so i know that's a lot of moving parts but essentially what it means is that if you are not compliant with residency rules and don't get a pre-qualified birth you are not eligible and teams will know that in the spring that they haven't qualified and whether or not they're compliant with residency rules. I hope that clarifies it. I wish that residency rules, pre-qualification, all of this was just more straightforward, more direct. But that's the situation as it stands. It is unlikely. That's what makes it a bold prediction.
0: So with that, back to past Scott and Sean. A team like Gushu that is not eligible to play in this year's playdowns, they don't have to. And they have the right top number of points. They're in that top three and they don't win the briar. In theory, they should be eligible for it next year without yes. having to, uh,
1: they wouldn't have to do it as long
0: as they keep winning
1: rules. They're fine. And so they can keep thinking, winning. They're really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So your pr- bold prediction is that they will have to do something with their lineup to conform to residency rules.
1: Yes, now there's another component, I guess, of this is that Nolan Thiessen was announced as the new CEO of Curling Canada. Sean, that was my next holidays. bold prediction. Come on, oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 so um, congratulations, I guess, to Nolan Thiessen on that job. I mean, it's it, he's been around for a long time as a player. I think the players are probably pretty happy to have a former player in that position. He, he certainly understands the concerns of the athletes, but man, that is a hard job and a thankless job. We talked about it with the high performance job being relatively thankless. I think the CEO job can be a little more varied because you can work on the sport on the club level at the the grassroots level mm-hmm. in a way that the high performance position can't. So maybe it's a little more rewarding from a accolades perspective than the high performance job is, but there's a certain hornet's nest around that position as well. And if team Gusha loses and if they are subject to the residency rule, that could be the first hornet's nest that, that no one season st- steps on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. could be, uh, could be for sure. I think, uh, I think Catherine Henderson had like a pretty good reputation as yeah. CEO. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how Nolan does in the job, but yeah, I know he's been around the events for a long time and uh, has had a big hand in a lot of what curling Canada has done over the last 10 years or so.
1: All right. And the final bold prediction for 2024, and it's a prediction that if it's true, will make me sad. This is almost a reverse jinx
0: mm-hmm.
1: of a bold prediction. Scott, we will have a significant retirement from a curling broadcaster this year so i've written down three names that i've highlighted that uh, would not these aren't the only three that if they retired would make me sad but three that would definitely make me sad if they went joan mccusker and she's uh, undeniably had a more limited role in the past couple years yep rona we Uh, love rona we do we do and please, everybody, reverse jinx, Sean, Vic. So uh, those are the three that uh, I've identified, and uh, just I, again, I hope it doesn't happen. So it is kind of reverse jinx in it, but at some point, they're not going to be able to do it anymore, or not have the inclination to do it, not want to do it. I do think that for Vic and Rona maybe more so Rona than Vic necessarily, but maybe they adhere to the Olympic cycle and want to get through another cycle Uh, because Rona can do the Olympics. Vic cannot, barring some sort of contractual change where he goes over to the CBC, but he has those curling trials. And Ray finished on an Olympic cycle. And, And I don't know if that necessarily means anything that Vic would want to do that as well, but Vic and Ray were very tight. They were together for whatever thirty years doing games. So maybe Vic would want to do the same and go out on Olympic cycle. I don't know, but I'm going with a broadcast retirement as the final bold prediction is 2024.
0: And the to make that come true, it's not limited to those three that you mentioned. Those are just like the three that you have identified as possibilities. Yeah, but you know, say if Mike Harris decides he doesn't want to broadcast curling anymore that's going to count
1: yeah and and well i guess it's it's interesting though with say mike harris right because now mike harris is involved in northern ontario curling Hmm. at a high level i I don't know exactly what his title is but whether he's the ceo or high performance or whatever his role is in northern ontario so if he can't do the broadcast stuff because of (laughs) the northern ontario responsibilities does that count as a retirement I don't know. Cause I wouldn't consider Cheryl stepping away as a retirement so much as she had this other role that took up too much of her time. So she went and did that. Like I'm talking to somebody saying, I'm retiring now. I'm just going to take night. it the easy. Like, over. yeah, I, I'm not doing this because I have other responsibilities. It's just, it's time for me to spend Let's time, spend with, my time with my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm leaning to. If I'll give myself a half point if it's something like that, uh, okay. or you, if it's like a Mike Harris sort of thing, and and that's why he decides to leave, or if he if he does. But I'm thinking more of pure
0: retirement, retirement. Okay, that's uh, that's good. I'll Sean give you one more that came okay. to me, yep. and this is also a bit of a reverse Jinx situation, but I'm gonna say that. Team McCarville does not make the playoffs at the Scotties. Ooh, they've been there, I think, four years in a row. Yep, I don't think they played in the bubble, right? I'll oh, have to look. I'll have to look at that. <clears throat> no, maybe they did. Anyway, uh, I don't remember the last time they missed the playoffs at the at the Scotties. So I'm okay. going to predict that they will. Yeah, with the hopes of it being a reverse jinx and that they will uh, continue their win- winning ways with uh, Andrea Crawford there. Okay, that uh that's an interesting one. The the you were very positive on that change though. Scott I know when they I, made it. I know I just uh what you said about the field getting better, I agree with and um the the event is in uh where is it? The prairies, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought I'd uh, throw that one out there because that's very bold, and I do is. really like that team. It is It is very bold. And Scott, you were
1: correct. They did not play in the bubble. That team was – rep- the representative for Northern Ontario was Krista Burns. That Perfect. year, as Krista McCarvel, I believe, the team declined that invitation given their family and professional Obligations, yeah, and responsibilities was like
0: a, a, a quarantine period followed by you know lots of testing, and yeah, you know, everything was done right, but it wasn't the right fit for them that year, yes. And Scott,
1: it's in Calgary, Somewhere right? Curiously, in the same arena, yeah, as <laughs> the bubble, yeah. So, uh, so they will hopefully be playing in that this year, no, uh, no word. Yet. I'm still going to pick them uh, in our
0: picks, Sean. I'm still going to pick them.
1: All right. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying bold, uh, boldly they won't. All right. So, Scott, last year we set the over-under at 5.5 on the 13, and we were under that. We thought 6 could be a possibility. Out of these 11, what do you think an over-under is for a good score on the bold predictions of
0: 2024? I think 4.5 is too high, so I'd say yeah. 3.5.
1: Okay. So three and a half is the over under four is good. Three is a disappointment.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So there you go. Those are our 2024 bold predictions run through them real quick. There is a major change to the points bet invitational time teams or the impact of it. The pan continental curling championship is not held in Canada. Anna Hasselberg wins the world women's curling championship. I'm, I'm going to specify that because there's a chance that she could win a mixed doubles world championship. So I'm saying the women's world curling championship. Yeah. World curling gets away from recast or Curling Canada Plus goes away. Wang Hei Xiao wins, doesn't win the wheelchair world championship. A, a Pacific Asian region country wins the mixed doubles world championship. Sherry Anderson wins the Canadian Seniors Carrie Anderson misses the playoffs at the Scotties. Brad Gushu has to make a lineup change owing to the residency rules. A major broadcast retirements and Krista McCarvel misses the playoffs at the Scotties. Those are our bold predictions for 2024. Let us know what you think of those or what bold predictions you have. You can reach out to us on the socials at game of stones pod game of stones podcast on facebook uh, you can find us on game of stones pod.com past episodes all the links to things are there merch all that stuff you can also reach out through the website or of course you can email us game of stones podcast at gmail.com and re- rate review do all that stuff subscribe all that stuff that all the people tell you to do do that mm-hmm. for us too why not so scott i mentioned the email address i don't always read the emails we get but we got a couple really good ones i thought so i wanted to share them with you and i asked you last week if you wanted to read them first or if you wanted me to just share them with you on the show
0: and i said let's go to the show baby this is what yes. we're here for. I I do sometimes read the emails, Sean, but mostly it's to um, talk about the merch. Whenever we have merch stuff come in, I look at the emails, but otherwise not really.
1: Okay. So I have it set up to forward to my personal email so I can see when they all come in. Ah, okay. So, and when I do respond, I Sometimes I respond from the personal one because I forget to go to the Game of Stones one. But uh, so I do have a couple here. So the first one is from Paul Jorgensen, who is writing relative to the uh, games of the year when Ooh, okay. we talked about the the games to watch uh, in that episode. And Paul wrote that uh, he says uh, his wife Beth and he are longtime listeners of the show. So Paul, thank you, and Beth, thank you for that we appreciate the support and they uh, said that they enjoyed the stonies said it came as a surprise to us that you didn't mention any of the games from the briar on our 2023 games of the year list and wonders scott if we have an anti-gushu sentiment and he says that this isn't a new suspicion for him that for a while he thought that maybe we have a bit of a, a Gushu bias, uh, sort of our our little anti Gushu. And then he goes on to talk uh, about a couple other things, including the Jones flurry final from the trials and sort of where Canada stacks up globally and decide his sense that maybe the Canadian, the state of Canadian currently is behind at the the top levels. And some really interesting points in that email. And mm-hmm. I, I thought he made some very fair points, but the one that kind of stood out to me is the Gushu one. And if we come across to Paul and, and Beth as being anti-Gushu, that's fair enough. And I'm not going to try to push back on, on that perception I don't feel like I have an anti-Gushu bias. I think one of the things we struggle with when we talk about Brad Gushu is that it's hard to say new things about Brad Gushu and his team because they just keep winning all the time. And how many times can you say that this team's really good?
0: Yeah, I think there's a little of that. Um, What I found this year was their run at the Briar was like, a little pedestrian when you compare it to the year before when they had to like win with three people in the playoffs. Right. So yeah. Maybe maybe I After just for the that. Olympics too. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I just had this kind yeah. of thing in my in my head where I was like, oh, this event wasn't as like outstanding for games for Gushu. Yeah. Um, because I didn't remember like uh there was a game a few years ago where he played brad jacobs i think it was at the 2020 briar we played brad jacobs and he like was down for nothing and then just like popped a three back and right it was yeah, like yeah. a really entertaining game where yeah uh, i think that was on our games of the year list if we had done one for 2020 Yep. um it was sort of a really exciting and fun game and that when i watched the briar they were so dominant in in most of their games that it didn't come across to me as you know something that could be called the game of the year Right. So, uh, that's the only, uh, defense I have for that, but I really like team Gushu and, uh, they're, they're good to talk to, right. They they're interesting. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're good on TV, fun to watch, but just sometimes when they're putting on a clinic, it's not as exciting as it would be if things were a little closer and they were making more mistakes.
1: Yeah. Cause w- when you think of. Cause I, cause I went back and thought after I read that from Paul and, and cause I, I think in the Stonies, we were a little down on the the Briar and the Scotties, frankly, from, from 2023 in terms of signature games. And so I went back and I looked at some of the games and the shot, at least the, the shot, and I can't remember what was the feature if, if it was the game where Northern Ontario lost to Botcher, I think it was a Botcher. In the, the Friday afternoon elimination, whether it was yes. no, the Northern Ontario loss was the feature or the other game was the feature where Kevin Cooey lost to Mike McEwen mm-hmm. and McEwen makes, I can't remember this, but I remember being a really good shot that McEwen makes to win the game. So maybe that could be in there. Or the other thing that when I went back and thought that stood out was Dunstone and Dunstone yeah. the the devastating loss in the one-two game that Dunstone had, and then f- to win the semifinal on a steal. And Dunstone is a very outwardly emotional player. And mm-hmm. him standing there or sitting, I believe he went and sat behind the At scoreboard the yeah. with Adam Kingsbury, like almost arm in arm, or like the really cl- <laughs> And then when Botcher misses the shot, and just the emotion of it, like that kind of stands out as being first time he he gets to that point, gets to the final. That's kind of what stands out because the final wasn't the greatest. No, in that, that wasn't super
0: competitive. Uh, no,
1: yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, I, I think there's fair points in here for sure from Paul, and I, I do appreciate that email. But it did make me think and kind of reflect back on. The Briar and the Scotties from 2023 that maybe we were a little too down on when we talked about them in the Stonies.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Thanks for the email. I, nice to make me think.
1: Yes. And another one that came, this was rela- related to pace of play and the am uh, I an asshole discussion okay, we had. Good.
0: Fun facts,
1: little follow up we played in a fun events with two crosstown clubs over the holiday break, and you get randomly placed with people from your own club on teams. One of the guys who I got into the argument with was put on our team, and yeah. that was fun for us, and he initially didn't seem to remember who I was because he came over, <laughs> said his name, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean. I'm the obnoxious one from that, that game a few weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, we ended up talking about it and what was interesting is he kind of agreed with me on some of my points related to his front end, the yeah. biggest one being clean your rock before the other team is done and yeah. be ready to go. Anyway, this is related to pace of play. So this is from okay. Chase and Sock, and this is a really cool idea. So he says in their club, he's from the Detroit Curling Club, and my apologies, I say Detroit wrong all the time, uh, but... I say Detroit. I, I hit the it at the end. I know I say it <laughs> wrong, but Chase is from the Detroit curling club. And he says on the Tuesday men's league, they have two draws, five forty-five and eight 15. And they have a big poster board that establishes the pace of play. And so the first end starts at five Second end starts at 603, Third end six 21. And then so on and so forth. And they're, is kind of a, a progression to it that isn't always uniform, but to me, that's okay. It doesn't have to necessarily be uniform, but the eighth end, uh, has to start at seven 53 and that should be more than enough time to yeah.
0: get it all in. Right. So it has to this start is by then, right? Like you don't have to wait around. Yeah. If you're done. Yeah. Okay. So it's not pure
1: 15 minutes per end. Uh, the It goes 18 minutes, 18 minutes, 18 minutes, 21 minutes. So they're giving, based on the times he has here, they're giving you some some leeway on what the expectations are. But he also says, if the fifth end, I love this part, if the fifth end doesn't start by 7 p.m. on a 5.45 tip, only seven ends will be played, no matter what. Okay. If the... Eighth end doesn't start before 753. It doesn't get played at all. So the rules are clear on that. So I like that. It's not sort of... So because even if you play, if you start the fifth end, it's 658. But then it's 655 or 755 and you want to start the eighth end, it
0: doesn't matter. You're, you're done. You're done, yeah.
1: So I, I kind of like that it's multiple tent poles.
0: Of sorts. Right, you don't just have the one like at our club we have if the what is it at a certain time you finish the end you're in and you can play one more
1: yes so and Jace-
0: that's for strategy right like if yeah you don't know it's going to be the last end and then yep. the team is dragging their feet then you might play a different strategy but yeah. uh, i like this i like this one there's two posts to pass yeah and uh and a poster with the expectations for
1: the as you go through the game. It's kind of like if you ever played at a golf course that has expected time per
0: hole. Yeah. On the scorecard. It gives you that reminder as you go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. it's uh it clear for everyone. That is a lot of time, Sean. It's a five forty five and then an eight thirty start. Five forty five, eight fifteen. Five forty five, eight fifteen. That's a long time. Like
1: well, it's fifteen minutes more than we have.
0: Yeah. So it it feels like long, right?
1: Yeah. So you should be able to get an eight ends all the time. All the time. Like if you're starting at 545 and you have to start the eighth end by 753, you should be good.
0: I like this, Sean. I think we should um, propose this at our next board meeting. Yes, I agree.
1: So uh, Chase also adds a story here, which I, I I laughed out loud when I read this. So... A little story about pace of play. A couple years ago, we played in a five and under spiel for American curlers with less than five years of experience. Each game had a two hour time limit. We made the A semis, but had a rough start to the game and ended up down four going into the seventh. We overheard the other team openly discussing playing more slowly to prevent an eighth end and they were brazen about it, like sliding down to discuss multiple shots, cleaning stones over and over again, and so on. We ended up taking four and winning the draw to the button tiebreaker. It's the only time I've refused to shake an opponent's hand. <laughs> we lost the final. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what? Good for them. That's karma, baby. Yeah. That's uh that's bad karma. Bad for karma. Them yeah. Playing uh you, yeah, you don't do that.
1: Yeah, so play fast. I'm totally with Chase. I love this idea. We should go to the Detroit club at some point if this is sort of how they, their modus operandi is, is to have Mm -hmm. those multiple 10 points. I really like it. I love that story too. The the capper of we lost the final uh, (laughs) was very, very entertaining, but I'm glad you won that because teams that slow play in that scenario don't deserve to win.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so thanks to chase and Paul for those emails and, uh, send in emails. Uh, we'd love to see them and, uh, Yeah. maybe we'll do this more if if we get more and and entertaining ones like that. So, uh, so thanks to uh, Paul and Chase uh, and Beth as well uh, as uh, for listening
0: in and taking the time to write in. Good stuff, Sean. And can I, can I give one shout out to uh, one of our listeners, Marsha, famously my, my uh, friend's mother and mother-in-law, my two friends that are married at West, uh, her grandson, William, it was his birthday yesterday. So I wanted to say happy birthday to William. Uh, and I hope you had a great day.
1: Uh, happy birthday to William. Yeah, shout out to Marcia. Thank you for listening. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. As I said off the top, hope 2024 finds you well. We wish you all nothing but the best for the year ahead. And we look forward to sharing a small part of it with you as we talk curling through the the end of the 2023-24 season and the kickoff of the 2024 20. 25 seasons so we'll be with you along the way hope you'll join us when we're back with you but until then keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that in turn
0: make the final